Loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again for giving us the privilege of life. Lord in heaven, we pray that you would consecrate us to your service. We ask for the gift of your spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would make us instruments of peace on this earth, instruments by which your will will be done on the earth. Be with my mouth, dear Lord, and put your words in it. And let the words spoken bring us to repentance and cause us to walk in the statutes of the Lord and do your will. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, April 12. Rebellion in the Camp. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10 It is hardly possible for men to offer greater insult to God than to despise and reject the instrumentalities he would use for their salvation. In the rebellion of Korah is seen the working out upon a narrower stage of the same spirit that led to the rebellion of Satan in heaven. It was pride and ambition that prompted Lucifer to complain of the government of God and to seek to overthrow of the order which had been established in heaven. Since his fall, it has been his object to infuse the same spirit of envy and discontent, the same ambition for position and honor, into the minds of men. He thus worked upon the minds of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram to arouse the desire for self-exaltation and excite envy, distrust, and rebellion. Satan caused them to reject God as their leader by rejecting the men of God's appointment. Yet, while in their murmuring against Moses and Aaron, they blasphemed God, they were so deluded as to think themselves righteous and to regard those who had faithfully reproved their sins as actuated by Satan. Do not the same evils still exist that lay at the foundation of Korah's ruin? Pride and ambition are widespread, and when these are cherished, they open the door to envy and a striving for supremacy. The soul is alienated from God and unconsciously drawn into the ranks of Satan. While endeavoring to destroy the confidence of the people in the men of God's appointment, they really believe that they are engaged in a good work, verily doing God's service. It is by sinful indulgence that men give Satan access to their minds, and they go from one stage of wickedness to another. The rejection of light darkens the mind and hardens the heart, so that it is easier for them to take the next step in sin, and to reject still clearer light until at last their habits of wrongdoing become fixed. Sin ceases to appear sinful to them. Amen. The title of our devotion is Rebellion in the Camp. 
And we are looking now at the incidents that took place after the Lord had already pronounced that all the adults from 20 years old upwards that rebelled against him, that none of them would see Canaan, and they were not far away from Canaan. The ten spies who saw Canaan and came back with a bad report, having been destroyed, the rest of the people themselves, they also rebelled the next day, saying they wanted to go to take over the place that the Lord said they should go before and they refused and some of them again were killed because they went there without God's direction. The Canaanites smote many of them, a lot of them, so their numbers have started to reduce little by little. Now another incident is taking place that will further diminish the numbers of those people. The Lord was fulfilling what he said he would do. Some of them of their own will brought themselves to death by going to fight the Canaanites but in this incident of Korah and his cohorts is a different incident. Korah is a man from the tribe of Levi, the same tribe as that of Moses, not just the same tribe, he is even a cousin of Moses. Looking down at his cousin Moses and Aaron, he felt that he also wanted something either to be, the go- to be in charge of the government like Moses or to be the religious leader like Aaron. He first cherished jealousy over them and then he wanted he wanted the priesthood and also part of the government because he was not content to just be a levite who was honored by god because the levites were especially honored by god to be the ones who would minister in the sanctuary but it was only aaron's family that were given the priesthood you know it's different levite is different from priests the priests are only aaron's family but the levites are the whole of the tribe of levi who serve in the temple and he felt that he needed to be one in one of these positions. He felt a sense of disdain for Moses and Aaron, seeing their simplicity and the kind of lives they lived. They were not living like kings, they were just living a simple life. So he found sympathizers for his cause, which is Dathan and Abiram. They were Reubenites. And since they were Reubenites, and Reuben is the first child of Jacob, they felt a disdain also for Moses and Aaron being ruler to be rulers over them seeing that it is their young their father's younger brother levi and they felt that they were the one who were rightfully supposed to be in the position of the governors of israel then later korah Dathan, and abiram went to get more people for themselves they went and talked to 250 princes in the congregation their movement began to grow they then felt confident of making a radical change and improving on the administration of Moses and Aaron. Reading from Patriarchs and Prophet, page 397, paragraph 2, it says jealousy had given rise to envy and envy to rebellion. They had discussed the question of the right of Moses to so great authority and honor until they had come to regard him as occupying a very enviable position which any of them could feel as well as he and they deceived themselves and one another into thinking that Moses and Aaron had themselves assumed the positions they held. The discontented ones said that these leaders had exalted themselves above the congregation of the Lord in taking upon them the priesthood and government, but their house was not entitled to distinction above others in Israel. They were no more holy than the people, and it should be enough for them to be on a level with their brethren who were equally favored with God's special presence and protection. The next thing they did is to get sympathizers among the people. 
Continuing the reading, it says, The next work of the conspirators was with the people. To those who are in the wrong and deserving of reproof, there is nothing more pleasing than to receive sympathy and praise. And thus, Korah and his associates gained the attention and enlisted the support of the congregation. So here we see a rebellion growing. Aaron is not aware. Moses is not aware. Now, another very interesting part of this rebellion is how the envy displayed itself. You know, when someone is doing a selfless work, it is hard for a selfish person to believe that there is nothing in it for him. These men began to cherish the thoughts in their mind that the reason Moses was so zealous about this leadership work is that there's something in it for him. He's probably gaining something or he intends there's something he's going to gain at the end. He wants to be ruler over us and king over us and then he'll be richer than us and have more privileges than ourselves. It's not possible that Moses is doing this thing selflessly. So they began with the next step. They have to charge him with something that will make him look bad selfishness. Reading uh, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 398, paragraph 1, it says, But many were not ready to accept Korah's accusations against Moses. The memory of his patient, self-sacrificing labors came up before them and conscience was disturbed. It was therefore necessary to assign some selfish motive for his deep interest for Israel. And the old charge was reiterated that he had led them out to perish in the wilderness that he might seize upon their possessions. Hmm. End of quote. Wow. Another thing that they charged Moses with is that were it not to be something else that these people beautifully charged, I would say, that they charged on Moses. I, when I, say, I mean, this is just some kind of ingenuity here. They started to charge it upon Moses that the reason why they were not going to make it to Canaan was because of his system of government. That if he had managed things properly from the time when they bowed, they made the idols till the time when they rebelled in wanting to eat from the flesh from the flesh pot of Egypt and they complained about not wanting to go to Canaan. That all those things it was just about the way Moses was presenting issues, and that was why God was uh, coming against the people. That if he had handled things properly, it would not be like this. And so they wanted to seize the government from Moses. Numbers chapter sixteen, reading from verse one, says, "Now Korah the son of Ezar, the son of Kohat, the, the, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Pelet, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift you up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all his assembly, saying, Even tomorrow, the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he, will he cause to come near unto him. Thus, Moses was trying to quell the issue. Now in verse 8, and Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, you sons of Levi. Because Korah was from his own tribe, his cousin. He said, Here I pray you, sons of Levi. Cement it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel had separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you, to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he had brought you near to him. 
and all thy brethren the sons of Levi with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also? For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Datan and Abiram, the sons of Levi, which said, We will not come up. Wow. Now the rebellion has turned, it's now showing the disrespect Moses sent for these young men and they refused to come. They refused to respond. So we can see now open rebellion is beginning and you know what is going to happen. When one person has shown that Moses can call for you and you don't answer, the rest of the people are watching to see what will happen. And if there's no consequence, the Bible tells us Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 11, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men is fully setting them to do evil. Now, if this rebellion is not checked and the people are watching the disrespect towards Moses, certainly the next thing that is going to happen is that everybody will become a lord for themselves and Israel will be so divided, there will be no leader again. If you can spite the instruction and the re- request of Moses, every other person will feel the same. Me too, I can tell Moses I'm not coming. I can tell him I'm not going to do what he said I should do. Even if he says the Lord is, the Lord said you should do it, we can say we won't do it and we will get away with it. The Lord was watching all of this. Korah himself, who was reminded, and this is just a spirit of Satan, and we can liken it to our own selves. Sometimes we become dissatisfied with the work that the Lord has given to us, especially I would say in the ministry. Some people want to be the star. They were looking like at Moses and Aaron as the star people, those who are receiving the best attention. And they thought it was a position to occupy that one can envy, like we read before, because they think it was an easy job and something that made you to be a person of honor and prestige and privilege. So they wanted that for themselves. But it's not as if Korah was not honored too. He was doing a work. He was a Levite. And it was not a small thing. And that's why Moses was asking, is it a small thing that the Lord has given you this work? There are many other Israelites, but the Lord didn't give it to them. He gave it to you. Are you now looking for the priesthood also? Where will you stop with this? Of course, Korah wouldn't stop at nothing than to get the highest position. Here is envy displaying itself. Now in Numbers 16, reading from verse 19, it says, And Korah gathered all the congregation against Moses, against them, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Praise God. Thank God for coming. Because that's the only thing that could put a check to this. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron and saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and will thou be wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, Speak unto the, the congregation saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram on every side, and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents, and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, 
and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up with all that appeared unto them and they go down quick into the pit then you shall understand that these men have provoked the lord and it came to pass as he made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation and all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them for they said lest the earth swallow us up also and there came out a fire from the lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense here we see the working out of a wicked spirit which will bring about the ruin of so many Korah, Dathan, and Abiram influenced the people. These 250 that were consumed with the fire, they would not have been consumed had Korah, Dathan, and Abiram not led them into this sin. When you listen to what Moses said, then you can see where the problem really was. Moses said to them, If the ground swallows you, then you know that I have not been speaking of myself. So you can see that the charge they laid against Moses was they were making it look like Moses was the one leading them and it was not God. That he was the one that just came to make himself a lord over them and it wasn't God that sent him. But now God had proven that he is the one who sent Moses. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 16 says, When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. And this passage applies so much to to this incident. Today, we see it happening around us too. These are the things that happen on our way to Canaan. Do you in your heart sometimes cherish the spirit in your mind that you are in a competition, spiritual competition with others? This is what is happening here for the children of Israel on their way to Canaan. And it could happen to anyone. Envy is cruel. It is something that comes into the heart of just anybody. And you may say to yourself, oh, I don't have it. But many times you see yourself comparing yourself with others and feeling like, because maybe for some reason, maybe you are age mates or something, you start to feel like, what is it that this person is doing that I cannot do? I will not submit to him. And you show it in various ways. Sometimes you may be on social media in the same group with someone with WhatsApp chat or something. And then somebody puts something up there that looks so good and you don't want to acknowledge it. You've been blessed by it. You're happy with it. But you just feel, let me go silent because to acknowledge it, you know how envy is? To acknowledge it would mean to bring the glory that you want to yourself to somebody that you don't want it to be upon. This spirit of envy shows itself in various ways, especially in having a competitive spirit where you are coveting somebody else's position and feeling like, what is it this person is doing that I cannot do? Is it to preach? I can preach. Is it to do this work on the computer? I can do it. Even in the workplace, we see it happening. Envy. It is something that Satan does. That was what brought him down. And that is what he is using to bring so many down today. Reading from our devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 108, paragraph 4, it says, Do not the same evil still exist that lay at the foundation of Korah's ruin? Pride and ambition are widespread. And when these are cherished, they open the door to envy and a striving for supremacy. The soul is alienated from God and unconsciously drawn into the ranks of Satan. While endeavoring to destroy the confidence of people in the men of God's appointment, they really believe that they are engaged in a good work, verily doing 
God service. It is by sinful indulgence that men give Satan access to their minds and they go from one stage of wickedness to another. The rejection of light darkens the mind and hardens the heart so that it is easier for them to take the next step in sin and to reject still clearer light." End of quote. This is this. This is what is happening to among us today. One thing we have to understand, like we read in the devotion, you see, when the Lord sends a man on an errand, he bears the signet of God, and the respect accorded to the word of God is to be accorded, the same respect is to be accorded to that person. This is something that men must realize if they are to have a better relation with God. God works through human instrumentalities and does not often come down to do the work by himself. When those whom he sends to do his work are maltreated, insulted, maligned and ridiculed, it is as though God himself is the one being treated this way and it is verily so. And like we read in the devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 108, paragraph 2, it is hardly possible for men to offer greater insults to God than to despise and reject the instrumentalities he would use for their salvation." End of quote. Do you remember what the Lord said concerning Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 7 verse 1 and 2? He told Moses, See, I have made you a god unto Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak unto Aaron, and he shall tell speak unto Pharaoh that he let the, my people go. Also in the book of Exodus chapter 4, reading from verse 14, it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall, see, what you shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be. Even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God." Capital G. The Lord, when he sent people on errands, like he sent Moses, he said, Moses, you are as God both to Aaron and to Pharaoh. And for the children of Israel, it's no different. The signet and the mark of God was on Moses. God had chosen him. And the people were supposed to regard him as though it was God who was speaking. Why? Not because he was speaking his own words, but because it was God who was speaking. You see, the Lord expresses his oneness with his messengers in words such as these. He suffers in their sufferings and is actually uh, he that is slighted when his messengers are slighted. Words like these when he told to, to Paul, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Also, he said it to Miriam and Aaron, Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Also, the Lord Jesus will tell those whom he will cast into hell, who he will cast into outer darkness, he will tell them these words. Inasmuch, also the Lord Jesus will say to people, those who will be saved or those who will be lost, he will tell them, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. The Lord takes it as if it is himself that is taking the goodness or the suffering. The opposite is the case too. Those who bless his messengers bless the Lord and come to the help of the Lord. God expresses it to us in these words. In Genesis 12 verse 3, concerning Abraham, he said, And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that cursed thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Jesus said in Matthew 10 verse 40 to his disciples, He that receiveth you 
receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Here, we all need to understand this very well. And today, we need to receive and not rebel against Moses. Many people rebel against Moses today by rebelling against his words, which is the commandments of God. They will say, oh, it is Moses. But you don't know that if you are receiving Moses, you are receiving the Lord. Jesus himself said it, that if you do not believe Moses, you cannot believe him. But then when people today want to bring down others in, in envy, what do they do? They go into the same thing Koran, Dathan and Abiram did. When we want to reject the messengers of the Lord today, it is the same thing. Uh, they go into gossip, they go into misrepresentations, falsehoods. Reading from Review and Herald, November 27, 1900, paragraph 8, it says, It is a most serious matter to go from house to house and under pretense of doing missionary work scatter the seed of mistrust and suspicion. Such seed speedily germinates and there is created a distrust of God's servants who have his message to bear to the people. When God speaks through his servants, the seed sown has developed into a root of bitterness. The word falls upon ears that will not hear and hearts that will not respond. No earthly or heavenly power can find access to the soul. Who is accountable for these souls? Who shall eradicate who shall eradicate that poisonous root of bitterness that has prevented them from receiving the word of God? A sister or a brother in church in the church planted the evil seed, but who will restore the soul thus imperiled? The tongue that should have been used to the glory of God in speaking words of faith and hope and confidence in God's work men has turned our soul away from Jesus Christ. Those who themselves despise the words of Christ and refuse to hear his voice and to be converted have leavened other minds with the leaving of evil surmising and evil speaking. This is the day of the Lord's preparation. We have no time now to talk unbelief or to gossip. No time now to do the devil's work. Let everyone beware. Beware of unsettling the faith of others by sowing seeds of envy, jealousy, disunion. For God hears the words and he judges, not by assertions which are yea and nay, but by the fruit of one's course of action. By their fruits you shall know them. The seed sown will determine the character of the harvest. I'll stop and continue the reading soon. Now, you see here, this is the same. Uh, you see here what the Lord is telling us what to do and what not to do. When you see someone who is doing the work of the Lord and you go as a missionary and your evangelism is not to preach the gospel but to preach and tell people how this worker for God or this man of God is or this person who has been rebuking the sins of people because today everybody is calling themselves man of God. So let me be very specific. I mean people who are faithfully doing the work of God and calling people to repentance and preaching and giving people the hope of salvation and freedom from sin. Such people, you go from house to house and try to undermine their work by speaking against them. Miriam did it. And then what did she pick on Moses' life? Oh, he married a non-Christian. He, she, he married a non-Adventist. She didn't care that Zipporah was also a godly person. All she wanted to do was find a fault in Moses' life and then picked it up. He married a non-Adventist and Moses kept silent. She was reducing the, 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 the influence of Moses in the mind of people. And so also when you go speaking about God's servants who are doing a great work, you turn the minds of people 
against them there becomes there comes prejudice in the mind of people so that when that person is speaking people are looking at the person in disgust and annoyance they are offended so that they will not listen again have you done a good work when you've done that you hear you go from place to place speaking against people who you know have reproved you before which was the case with Korah, Dathan, and Abiram and the 250 because they knew that Moses had rebuked them before and they didn't like him so they went about to spread misinformation about him saying that he was only doing this work for selfish motives that there was something in it for him they misrepresented and brought and influenced the minds of others so that if Moses wanted to speak they wouldn't listen again Continuing the reading now, it says, There is a conscience that is not good. There are those whose words are yea and nay in regard to the same thing. How are we to deal with those who make these false statements? We should not try to deal with them. The Lord God of Israel will deal with minds according to his knowledge, for he reads the heart. The less we have to do with untruthful elements, the better it will be for the church. The Lord is our only rest. We are to rest in Him and be still. We may feel that the Lord's work is in jeopardy through the deceptions of those who deal falsely, but we need not feel false. We are not to think that the issue of the conflict is in our hands. Our duty is to walk by faith. In His own time, God will deal with the deceiver. He will reward every man according to His works. What was happening to Moses and Aaron is, can be likened to what happens to the spirit of prophecy today. Many people rise against the spirit of prophecy feeling like they are in the same level. She is not holier than us. The rejection of the words of God's prophets today is another way this is happening. Men have risen up claiming to have the same inspiration. Oh, she is not holier than us. And even degrading the spirit of prophecy by saying that it came from someone with little or no education, that is, little or no of their own kind of education, learnt in the schools of the world. And today, they are disregarding the spirit of prophecy and casting it aside, disregarding the word of God, claiming that they know better today. Men will go to the seminaries and theological schools and start to teach things contrary to the word of God, claiming that they know better now. That that which the word of God has said and the spirit of prophecy has said is for that time, is not for us. After all, we are just as holy as they are. After all, we also have the inspiration. The Lord is speaking to you who doesn't have faith in the word of God and the spirit of prophecy. Testimonies, volume 5, page 98, paragraph 2. I know your danger. If you lose confidence in the testimonies, that's the spirit of prophecy, you will drift away from Bible truth. I have been fearful that many will take a questioning, doubting position, and in my distress for your souls, I would warn you, warn you, how many will heed the warning. As you now hold the testimonies, should one be given crossing your track, correcting your errors, would you feel at perfect liberty to accept or reject any part or, or the whole? That which you will be least inclined to receive is the very part most needed. God and Satan never work in co-partnership. The testimonies either bear the signet of God or that of Satan. A good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. By their fruit you shall know them. God has spoken. Who has trembled at his word? End of quote. Oh, there are many Korahs today who have gone to the theological seminaries. 
many Daytans and Abirams who feel that they are above the word of God and the spirit of prophecy and they are rising up against it and saying, you are not holier than us, you are not, you are not more intelligent than us, we can rule and we don't need your words. Oh, Proverbs, Proverbs 30 reading from verse 11 says, there is a generation that cursets their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how filthy and how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Oh, and that generation, I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, is today. That generation is today that their eyes are lifted up. They don't, they curse their father and they don't bless their mother. They are pure in their own eyes. They say, I am rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing, not knowing that they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And by rejecting the word of God and rejecting the spirit of prophecy, it is just like rejecting Aaron and Moses who were the leaders and claiming that they are the ones who are leaders and that there is nothing that is in the spirit of prophecy that they cannot also learn for themselves and in fact they can dissect it and reject what they want to reject and accept what they want to accept you see sometimes people cannot believe that their fellow humans can be selfless and that was another problem that they had with moses the greedy proud and ambitious cannot conceive that there exists men who are humble self-denying and self-sacrificing korah and his cohorts attributed selfish motives to the actions of moses they accused him of profiteering on the leadership work he was doing they thought that he wanted to be a ruler over them and take their possessions and was getting or intended to get some benefit from it thus they attributed their selfish attributes to moses Thus, the, they think that others are altogether such a one as themselves. They go around spreading rumors about those who are doing the work of God and even the slightest works are misunderstood and misrepresented. And the Lord's messengers are then alienated. A mountain is made out of a mole. But those who are doing the work of God faithfully are not to be faced by these things. Set, make up your mind that such things will happen. Whether to the Bible and spirit of prophecy or if you are the one who holds up the word of God, the same thing will happen to you. Reading from This Day with God, page 60, paragraph 5, we are told, You will receive opposition from the clergy as you live up to and present to others the high standard of religion of the Bible. Contempt and jeering, slander and falsehood will follow you. Your motives, your words, your actions will be misunderstood and misrepresented and condemned. But if you pursue the work, irrespective of the abuse given you, if you do right, if you are kind and patient, humble in spirit, happy in God, you will have influence. You will receive the sympathy of all those who are honest and reasonable. And this is an encouragement to us. And I hope and pray that if you are in such a situation, please let us not be the envious people who want to rest and vie and strive for position. The work of God is not something that we go about striving for position in. We all are giving our work. Whether you are a Levite, do your work. If you are among the ordinary people, you can still serve God. You must not be the one who is on top, who is holding the position of general overseer or holding the position of district pastor, conference president, union, this and that. If you want to do the work of God, you don't need those positions. If Korah, Dathan and Abiram wanted to do God's work along with the 250 princes, they did not need to go and usurp authority and take 
Moses' position. It was not necessary at all. Today too, it is not necessary. Some people are offended in church because they didn't give them position. Do you want to work for God? What is stopping you? Why can't you go to your neighbor's house and preach the word of God to, to them? Is anybody stopping you from doing that? Must you hold a position in church first? If you are vying politically for position in churches, then it shows that your heart is not pure. It shows that you are not having a good mind because nothing stops you from doing the work of God. If you do not have position, you can always do it. But when you vie and strive in churches for position, wanting to be the head usher, wanting to be head deacon, first elder, and and the, and the, the, the union president and all of that, and you start to fight and bicker among yourselves, it just shows that in your heart, all those who are involved in that fight, it just shows that deep down in the heart, there is no desire to really do the work of God. If you were really involved doing the evangelisms, going from house to house, preaching the word of God to people, you will be satisfied because that is what your joy is. Your joy is in seeing souls want to Christ, changing, not at, not just increasing the numbers of a church and increasing the congregation so that the title will increase. No, your joy will be in seeing the transformation in people's lives and you don't need any position to be of influence to do that. If you are like Korah, Dayton and Abiram, you will feel, oh, I need position, but it's out of ambition and pride. You want the love of men. But if you are truly a servant of God, you will not be vying for positions. You will just do the work and be happy to see the results of it. And this is what we should have in mind in this particular devotion today. Do the work of God and do not vie for positions and in envy think that there is something in it for you. Oh, if I have this position or that position go out there. The, the whole world is open. It's a field for us to do the work of God. Go and do it. You don't need to be fighting in churches for that. And are you on the side, are the receiving end, like Moses and uh, Aaron? The Lord says, don't worry, you always receive opposition, but don't bother yourself. Reasonable people will receive you will receive the sympathy of those who are reasonable. If you do right, if you are kind and patient, humble in spirit, happy in God, you will have influence. You will receive the sympathy of all those who are honest and reasonable. And may that encourage you to continue to do the work of God regardless of the opposition you are receiving. And don't fall back and go down to answer questions and try to uh, mani and manifest characters that are not in harmony with the will of God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we pray, Lord, that you would help us. Envy is a serious issue. Brothers are envying brothers and sisters envying sisters over something that the sister has or something that the brother has. It could be on the issue of marriage. It could be on the issue of holding positions in church and people are envying one another, thinking that they deserve this better than the other person, thinking, oh, I deserve to marry this person more than the other. Lord, we pray, please forgive us for these things. Help us, Lord, to make a change in our lives and to focus on doing your work. Have mercy on us and give us the grace that when the thought of envy comes to our heart, we will put it away from us and we will not cherish it or accept it, but we will rather support those who are doing your work wherever we find them. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. <music>